Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am joined today by my esteemed guest, Mr. Brian Whittington, founder and CEO of EBS Growth. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm living the dream. You, David? (laughs) Oh, man. You know, it's kind of Groundhog Day here, but we're making it work, you know? It is insane out there. So, yes. Yes, it is. But you guys are doing great. And Brian, I'm excited to talk with you on the show. You know, we talk with a lot of sales development practitioners who are in-house. You know, they're running the sales development teams at their companies and trying to figure it out specifically at their companies. But EBS Growth works as, you know, an outsource provider of sales development and pipeline generation. So you work with a lot of clients. So I'm excited to talk with you about, you know, your process, what's working today, and, you know, any wisdom that you can share with us. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. I mean, you've been killing it with your guests, so hopefully I can live up even close to what they've been. (laughs) Well, we're all trying to figure this out. I mean, you know, a lot has changed in the last six months. You know, people are just kind of overwhelmed with all the crazy stuff that's happening with the crisis. So when you look at, you know, working with your clients and your process, you know, what are you doing now that's different? What's changed? And, you know, how are you able to, you know, produce results these days? Yeah. So a couple of questions in there, right? So I'd say, what are we doing today is a couple fold and I'll, I'll lay it out in this regard. One is the people. If you have just people that are pounding the telephone. So we do an omni-channel approach, right? So if it's just email or just LinkedIn or just telephone, just one approach, I would really think that that is not going to be quite as effective today. So hiring the right people that are that growth mindset that are really gritty, that no matter what it takes can problem solve. I think that's one key thing that's taken us really a while to figure out is how to identify the right people to hire on board. So that's one thing that's changed is our hiring practices. The other change that we've seen is because we're working with multiple different clients is really knowing what to say and how to say it and when. So that messaging, the list building, it is so vital that we know that. And then off of that list building and messaging, the last piece I'd say that's really changed is knowing the numbers and what to do with the numbers because just a small percentage change from outreach to contacts, contacts to appointments booked, that small percentage, whether a quarter percent or one whole percent, can really turn out to be thousands of outbound attempt difference. So having that right list with the right message at the right time is all vital and knowing your numbers and how to read all of those pieces is important. So the people, the message, the list, and then the numbers that go behind it, those are really what we've been figuring out to do well here. Okay. So all of those are so important. So let's start with the people. So beforehand, you could have everybody in an office. I don't know if you were a remote company, but you could have everybody in an office, you could walk around, you could support people. 
now we need to work from home or at least partially working from home. How has that changed, you know, the type of people or the recruiting or the training that you're doing? Yeah, so a couple ways. So one, whenever we started, we were remote, but we were able to get together and do onboarding and training from a central location. So we're outside of Pittsburgh, which is, you know, the, the wrong side of the country for what we're doing. So we're in Pittsburgh and we were able to pull everybody together. Now, after this whole COVID piece hit and everybody had to, to work remotely, we were able to go across the country. So we have people in Florida and Texas calling out of Cincinnati. I mean, you name the location, we have them in California. So being able to take what we did and pivot to a complete remote. So the key to that has been a couple fold. There's a guy by the name of Mike McCallowitz wrote a book called Profit First is probably his, his best well-known book. He also wrote a book called Clockwork. So I would really encourage those that are having to pivot to adjust their onboarding, their systems and processes. Read chapter five, step four of that clockwork to really get that onboarding process, that training process down. So that's been the key there, David, is to get those systems and processes. So no matter where the people are, because we can't do it in-house, that they have the resources available. I don't know if it would be helpful to kind of lay out how we do that onboarding piece, would it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so really there's four questions to answer whenever you're onboarding somebody. One, what do they need to know? Two, by when? Three, where are they gonna find it? And four, how are we gonna test that they can actually take that knowledge and apply it accurately? So those four onboarding pieces is really what we've been figuring out here lately. And we use, we're a Microsoft shop. I know that's like heresy in, in the tech space, but we're a Microsoft shop. So we're using Teams instead of Slack, SharePoint instead of Google Drive. But you know, it doesn't matter really what you use as long as you know, what do they need to know by when? So it's structured, you know, we're low tech right now as a startup. So we're just leveraging Word and Excel spreadsheets until we can use some technology there. So what do they need to know? by when, so that's a calendared week one, week two, day one, day two kind of thing. And then where are they going to find it? SharePoint, hot links to these points or to these pieces. And then the fourth piece is how do we know that they can, can actually do this? A real testing process. And most of what we do is tested through role play, through actual execution of it, through recordings and videos and all that good stuff. So that's really how we're doing those four questions. Okay. And so do you have some kind of how do you organize this plan? Do you have some kind of checklist? Is it like a playbook? Like how, how do you know, okay, that they've reached the next step in the process? Yeah, so we're still in iteration mode here. I'd love to say that it's completely down. So we were using a Word document and I can't call it a roadmap. It was more like a treasure hunt, right? It was ridiculous. So we've taken that treasure map and are starting to make it a roadmap. So we're breaking it down into those calendared events. So week one, you have to know, how do you use the technology? Do you have all the logins? What's the scripting that we're using? What's the messaging? And role playing that out. And then week two, it gets into more in-depth role plays, objection handling, how to use specific things. Like we use the tactic, I want to be right or I want to win in a questioning and qualifying path. So can you actually do that? Can you use the right or win in a role play? So that's all locked and loaded, moving from Word down to an Excel spreadsheet. And there's a, a number of different technologies out there that we're looking to go Two, that it's ongoing. Familiar with what's called microlearning, David? No. Okay. So there's this thing called microlearning, and it's basically little video vignettes or sound snippets, one to three, five minute 
learning, learning lessons. And so those micro learning sessions is that ongoing reinforcement. There's a guy, I think it's called, and I'm not being facetious here, I think it's called the Ibn Haas forgetting curve, but I always forget it. But it just goes to show that, right, literally, what a forgetful thing, right? So in that forgetting curve, you lose about 75% of what you learn within 24 hours. So in those micro lessons and those micro learning sessions, that ongoing reinforcement, it helps to really lessen that forgetting curve and reinforces it to where they own it. It becomes second nature and habit. Got it. Okay. So you're looking at potentially plugging in something like that, but for now it's, you know, using the tools that you have on hand. Correct. I mean, we're lean startup kind of deal. So it's Word document didn't use work quite as well. So we're leveraging that over to an Excel spreadsheet with the dates aside of it, all hot links from SharePoint, or you could easily use, you know, your drive hot links to your Google drive. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting point because I think people get caught up in, if I had the latest tool, you know, then I could do it. But it's more like, well, first you just need a piece of paper and a pen, right? <laughs> get it right. all down. Or, you know, the equivalent of that today, which is Microsoft Word and Excel, you know, get it all down, get the playbook, you know, recorded, start using it and then upgrade to whatever the latest thing is. A hundred percent. And I'll tell you, If you can get your team to interact and play, so this is what I ripped off from that clockwork that I was telling you about. When we do it, we videotape it or do through Loom or Vidyard or whatever the screen capture is that you're using. So we'll screen capture that with audio and that will teach our team how to do it. Now we have our team do it and if they're falling down, if it wasn't sufficient, then we work together with them and then after they get it, then we have them record that next video with those updated changes. So it's constantly updated. Every single new hire, it either works or we get it updated. So it's a living, breathing document. And we use basically a naming format that I learned from the military. You just put version, date, and that way you can make sure everybody has the same version of the truth and just archive those that aren't. So that way, whenever you accidentally screw something up and you forgot something, you can just go back to the archive and cut and paste that forgotten piece out. Got it. Okay. So this is funny because like back in the day, we had card files and, you know, typewriters and like the Dewey Decimal System and stuff like that. We somehow made it work, you know, and now it's like you got to have all these things. But you could still, you just got to do it, right? And so when you look at the requirements of the people from like a, I don't want to say personality perspective, but is there a difference between the people that you're thinking about hiring from when they, well, you were always remote, but when they were sort of more in the office scenario versus a remote environment, is there a difference there in the profile? So I'm going to say this, yes, there is a difference. So what we're discovering is this. We've always looked for somebody, so we use assessment tools. So there's a million different assessment tools. We've landed on one that used to be the divine. It's now called Outmatch. And within that Outmatch, there's this particular competency called challenge growth change. If you're familiar with Mindset, the new psychology of growth by Carol Dweck, I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's so it, TED Talk it, right? There, Carol Dweck mindset, the new psychology of success. What it talks about is that growth mindset between a fixed mindset. And it's those that are going to look that they have that self-confidence without arrogance. 
that doesn't look at how intelligent I am, but rather how well can I learn? How well can I execute? How well can I change from who I am today, knowing full well that I'm pretty darn good, to where I wanna be tomorrow, knowing that today I'm good, but tomorrow I need to be even better, and never be satisfied with status quo. So that's not really that challenge growth change. And so within that challenge growth change, we thought that was sufficient, but it wasn't. And what we ended up discovering is not only do they need to have that mindset, that growth mindset, but they also need to have that take action. Because if they need to be micromanaged, if they have to be watched, if they have to have their hand held, if they can't problem solve on their own, they are ineffective in this remote environment because they're going to be sitting around waiting for you to direct them and tell them what to do. And we need to have a team of problem solvers because we're constantly solving, how do I overcome this objection? How do I make this message better? How do I get around this opportunity, this stall, this delay, this tactic? Because let's face it, we're the problem. Whenever we're showing up in an email or telephone or LinkedIn unsolicited, we're the problem that they're trying to get rid of. So we need to be effective problem solvers. So in addition to that grit, that toughness, that growth mindset, we really need to get people that are take action, problem solvers. So those couple of competencies, David, is really what we put together to find our team. Got it. Okay. And so is there a way to test for that? Like, I mean, you would think that the only way to really see if someone's like that is to actually put them in the job and watch for three months. But can you actually test for that before hiring someone? Absolutely, because it gets really expensive whenever you hire somebody. If it's that one, because here's the deal, right? <laughs> Salespeople are some of the most difficult people to hire because even the bad ones interview well, right? You think that you yeah, have their sales. Oh, right. Sales. You think that you have Arnold Schwarzenegger showing up on Friday, you know, the Terminator, and then Woody Allen comes showing up on Monday. You're like, what the? And so, I mean, you really have to put them through the paces. So our process is this. We take them through an assessment right off the bat to get the MRI x-ray off of them, right? Do they have the behaviors, the competencies that we're really looking for in order for them to execute well? Then after we take them through that assessment, we do a first screening interview. So we do an on-demand and one of our core competencies is hiring, right? So we have a talent side, a sales development side, and then a scaling side of the business. So on that talent side, we do the the assessments and then the on-demand interviews. So that way they can interview on their time and we get to see how they're doing through video, right? So that way we do the video interview. And if that, they go past that piece, then they talk to another person on our team, 40 years in the business, and they to go through a couple of different role plays that we give them. So we've at this point told them what our culture is, what we do, have them role play, and we see how they do on that role play. And if they can't do that role play well, then we don't pass them on. And then finally, they come to me. So after they've done three or four interviews, they come to me and I really go at them hard because I got to let them know what they're stepping into. So I paint the most bleak picture in the universe and really share with them what they're, what they're going to get into. And then we go to a behavioral interview sp- style where they have to specifically give what they've done in specific ans- instances with specific examples. And if they can't give clarity and concrete examples of these things, they're making it up. And I learned the hard way, you know, too many times that if they can't have examples with specificity and clarity in those specifics, they're making stuff up. Don't hire them. Oh, boy. So, I mean, you sound like you've had a lot of experience in this. I mean, in May, <laughs> you left <laughs> smoking craters, you know, over the years. So this is stuff that you've learned of doing this. 
Yeah, a couple of years back, I was working with a, with a client, final interviews. I said, listen, bring me in on the final interview. And this guy who was being hired for a, a senior sales management position, within five minutes of asking him a couple of key specific questions, he looked at those, the company that I was helping out hire and said, I thought this was just an introduction. I didn't think that you're going to ask me all of these things. And thank heavens, he had no idea what he was doing, so they didn't hire them. So your interviewing prowess has to be absolutely through the roof because I can fake it pretty darn easily. You can't take somebody out to lunch these days. You can't do those face-to-face. So you better figure out real quick like how to really vet these salespeople that are notoriously good at relationship. Yeah, 100%. And so, and I should have asked you this before, but tell me about the business. You've got the three different sides. So you're really seeing three different parts of the whole process. Yeah. So the one problem that we solve is how do we not only achieve, but sustain hyper growth, meaning doubling revenue every year or two. And to do that, there's really four headwinds that you run into whenever you're doing hyper growth. The one that we don't deal with is cash flow, right? I can't do anything about cash flow but I can help in these three areas. One, talent. Do, is my team capable of being developed or can I hire the team to take me to that next level that I need to be? Because it's different strengths, different competencies, different specialties that I need from that talent side. So that's the one side that we work on is talent. From acquisition to candidate marketing to employer branding. Because if you're like almost everybody else, unless if your name is Google or Amazon or some name brand that everybody wants to work for, you're having to compete against those folks. So how do you stand out against them and hire against those people that have everything that you wish you had, but you're too new? So that's one piece of talent. Then the second piece is really sales development. So how do you structure the sales team? What's the technology that you should use? Which one shouldn't you use is probably the more appropriate question. And then how do you integrate all of that? What's the messaging? How do you test? How do you A-B? How do you get the scripting down? What's that the pursuit campaign look like whenever you have multi-channels, omni-channel approach from social selling to cold calls to cold emails, all of those things, tons of content out there, but how do you implement that? So that's the second piece is the sales development where we can help you build it or we can execute it for you. And then lastly, you know, scaling. It's hard. If you think of it this way, David, if you're growing at a 20% year over year growth, you're going to double in size. And I think three or four years, something like that in between three and four years, if you're at 15%, it takes you 4.8 years to double in size. If you're talking about doubling every year, you have to change your accountability chart, you know, how you're structured every, you know, probably two months or so or every month or so because you're growing so quickly. You have to specialize quickly. How do you have the communication, the systems and processes that work today? They're not going to work in two months because now you're hiring different. How do you spread out that tribal knowledge, that non-transferable skills has to be learned how to be transferable. You can't train like, I don't know, kid, just go out and learn it. You have to break everything down. I think Beck Holland had a really good post today on how to break everything down in a nice system and process. That's what we need to be from a hyper growth perspective. So we really work on that core piece as scaling as well. So if you can do those three things with cash flow management, then not only can you achieve hyper growth, but sustain it. So those are the key areas in which we work. Amazing. Okay, cool. So, and you actually help them. The next thing I, I wanted to ask you about is with the messaging and the list building. So 
you know, that's obviously going to change. And it's got to be beyond just, oh, in these unprecedented times, you know, I think we (laughs) got enough of those. The new normal. The new normal. So, okay. So say you've got this great team, everything's clicking into place. Now we got to look at the list, right? And the message. So where do you start with those? Yeah, well, I'm so embarrassed to tell you this. I used to say a list is a list is a list. And I spent gobs and gobs of money on a couple of different list building companies, ones that you would know about, and their demo is much better than the actual real reality of it. So thankfully, we've been able to figure out and find some partners to help us with the list building because if you don't have the right list, I don't care what technology you have, you just do a really bad job more effectively. So that list is vital. You have to have a good list. You know, are you willing to pay for just the direct number? You know, or or excuse me, the general number? Are you willing to pay a little bit more for the direct? How about their cell phone? Are you validating these? There's such a difference in list quality that, you know, if you don't have the right list, if you're skimping on lists, I'd really encourage you to stop skimping there. That's a really key piece. Then from there, once you get that list down, then it gets to messaging. And this is where that self-sufficiency really adaptable people whenever you hire, that you teach them method, not script. Because I don't know about you, David, I know you're doing some sales training. <laughs> when you, like I do a script and to this day, the prospect has never known their line, <laughs> ever, right? That's true. Yeah, so they never said their line. So, you know, Chris Voss has some great stuff. Mirror the last idea. And then Sandler talks about mirror and matching, that bonding of rapport, mirroring their tonality, mirroring their language, mirroring their pace, their volume even, even some of their jargons and buzzwords. So that, that mirror and then labeling, questioning strategies. If you teach your team those things and your team is self-sufficient and loves to learn, then it's not scripting. It's method and process. And no matter the client that we put them with, they're able to adapt and adjust very, very quickly. And so it gets to that list, to the methodology. And then from that methodology, then it goes to the absolute outbound attempts. Are they doing it day in, day out? Which goes to mindset. Do they have the grit, the ability? Are you coaching them to this or are you supervising them to this? Are you mentoring them to grow them? Or are you, you know, sticking a whip to, you know, holding them under their thumb to do this. And if you're doing the, you know, the micromanagement piece, you're going to see horrible turnover and they're going to hate life. Your glass door, your Indeed ratings are going to plummet and nobody's going to want to work with you. So it has to be that real coaching culture, mentoring culture to go with the methodology and that list building. And the technology is just a nice added bonus that makes you, allows you to be a lot more efficient through there. Got it. Okay. And so I completely agree on the list building part. I mean, that's sort of like the lifeblood of the whole thing. And then, you know, as you look through all the production that's happening, you mentioned that you've got to become even more focused on knowing your numbers and the reports and making changes. How do you think about setting up those reports? What are you monitoring and what are you looking for, you know, to make those adjustments? Yeah, a good point. So we practice Ryan Reiser, he couched at Math of Sales, which I like that one. In my old days, we used to call it cookbook, but know your ratios, know your numbers. So you really want to look at a couple. One is outreach to connections, right? So whether that's outreach through telephone, through LinkedIn, through emails, whatever the outreach attempt is, know your ratios. If your list is not so great, you're probably going to be about a two and a half percent 
contact to or outreach to contact. Whenever you throw in some follow-ups, you get that list a little bit better. You're going to be somewhere four, six, eight percent on there. The best we've ever had is eight percent. And then from that, if you're a commodity, right? And so not to throw anyone on the bus, but if you're an MSP, right? How do you really differentiate yourself as a managed service provider as opposed to somebody with the latest and greatest tool and techniques and technology out there? You're going to have a different contact to appointment book. So if you're commodity, you're going to be about a 7%. If you're really a sexy technology coming out that everybody wants, then you're going to be about 16 to 22% kind of thing. So knowing those numbers, once I know those two numbers right there, outreach to connection, connection to meetings booked, then I can simply reverse engineer my workload. So how many of those first time meetings booked actually keep? You know, you should expect about a 70 to 80% if you're doing well. We have a little bit higher percentage of that than of those booked kept and then of those kept, how many go to pipeline? We're about 60 to 70% from good disqualification on the telephone, on those conversations. So about 60, 60, 70% of those go from first time meeting kept into opportunity stage. And then you go into pipeline management. And depending on, you know, what's your sales cycle look like? Is it complex? Is it straightforward? If it's a straightforward three to five stakeholders within that sales process, you're probably eight to 10 first time meetings ever with that company kept to get one close. If you're more complex, you're bringing in legal, Enterprise, you're going to be about 12 to 14, if not 15, first time ever meetings booked with that opportunity to one meeting closed. So knowing those ratios allows you to get predictable revenue. And from that predictable revenue, you can scale up your team and put in the right people and know what the resources are that you need and then what type of investment level that you need so you can get forecastable revenue coming in and Better yet, because you know your ratios, now you can do constant improvement or continuous improvement and coach and mentor towards those ratios. And everyone's going to have their strengths and weaknesses. So do you need to strengthen on for outreach messaging or do you need messaging to closing that meeting, keeping that meeting, pipeline management? It's all different skill sets. And from those ratios, as long as you're tracking it, benchmarking and improving it, then you can do specific things to work on it to improve it. So those are the numbers that we're really looking for. And then lastly, the number to look for is, okay, if I'm having these conversations, what's my connection rate of those conversations? So is it bad data? And, and with all of those, you're, you're going to have really good numbers and really good ability to adjust and improve. 100%. And so do you find in working with different clients, you know, you're in different industries and different verticals, you know, within the industries, do you have to change your numbers and conversion rates based on the client? Or can you use sort of a blanket approach and look for like benchmarks? We definitely look for benchmarks, but I would say benchmarks within an industry or vertical. You know, MSPs are going to be one. If you're doing selling the Oracle, if you're selling, you know, body shop, you know, staff org, if you're doing custom software or if you're doing a SaaS model, each one of those are a little bit different. And then depending on how big of a problem that you solve, how ubiquitous that problem is, and how few or many competitors you have, those are all gonna adjust your numbers. So it drastically changes. So you can use a range if you're just starting off, but really I would encourage you start to benchmark it, see where you are today, and then compare that against your industry if the, those industry numbers are even out there. But those numbers that I just threw out are, per, are probably pretty good that, you know, two and a half if you're commodity or if two and a half to three and a half is really where you would expect to start from a list. 
seven to 12% on conversations to book meetings and then kept meetings at 70 to 80% of those keep. And then, you know, about 60 to 70 go into pipeline. I'd say those are good generic benchmarks and you can go against it. Got it. Okay. And so when you start to monitor those, say you see one that's sort of going in the yellow or going into the red, how do you tackle that there might be an issue and where do you start? If you see yeah. That it's, yeah. So great question. And, and so for those listening, if you're in leadership, make sure that the people that you're interviewing can give this much specificity. So here's the specificity on that one. I'm going to look at how many times have I used that list? How many attempts have I had on that list? If I've beaten that list up and you know it shows an average of 10 attempts per contact on there, that list is beat. I want to get that down. So I want to first look at list. Two, a lot of the technology that you're using is recording these calls. So tap into the recordings. A lot of times you can listen in live as they're, they're going and monitoring those. So oftentimes I or my, a couple of my team are going to monitor those. And then as soon as they hang up, I'm not going to barge in and screw them up, but I'll listen in and give them, you know, real quick feedback. Hey, you could have done this. Here's where you could have done that. And it's amazing the, the, how quickly they can take it and adjust and how quickly they lose it again. So it has to be that ongoing coaching. So I'd look at the list. How used up is that list? How many times have you reached out on that list? Are you replenishing that enough? And the second thing is, you know, are you listening into those recordings and giving feedback? Ideally live, worst case, the recordings, and then shoot a recording of you giving feedback of the recording as you're listening to it, and then send that over. So those are some key ways in which you can improve those ratios. Okay, so start with the list, though. I mean, first look at the list and make sure that the list is on point, you know, because isn't that sort of the root of the whole problem usually? It usually is. So through some of ours... It's nuanced, but that's usually an issue. Well, and so to go to that, you really have to go back to training on the list. Are they dispositioning those contacts, those conversations correctly? Are you updating the dispositions appropriately? Whenever they're getting objections, are you creating specific dispositions for the three, five, you know, let's face it, everybody has the same five to seven objections. I'm happy, I'm busy, right? It's the same objections, they just sound a little bit different. So do you have those disposition shown. So if that thing keeps popping up and they keep getting messed up on those same things, then you can go back to a training. Same with that list. Is it correct contact, bad for the campaign, or is it bad contact info? So it doesn't matter the campaign. So the more specific you can be with those dispositions, the quicker you can home in on what the real problem is. Got it. Okay. So if somebody's starting out, how do they start with sort of the building blocks of the data? Like, do they just have to sit there with their SDR and watch everything that they're doing and like time it out and kind of, you know, figure out what the current process is so that they can improve it? Or is there an easier way? Well, so I might, this might be a little bit of heresy because I'm going against industry standards here, but there's no way in the world that I want my SDRs making a list. The SDR is really good at quick relationships, having conversations. The way that they make money and they make us money is being on the telephone, having conversations. I want to take every administrative task off of them because, oh, by the way, salespeople hate administrative work. They won't even do sales force, for goodness sakes. You're spending a bazillion dollars 
on Salesforce. They don't even want to use a thing, let alone go in and look at a list. They would rather poke pencils in their eyeballs. So I have people specifically to make lists, and all they have to do is click on the list and hit buy, and they go. And so I would not have your SDRs doing the list building because list building takes detail orientation and knowledge about how to do it. And I don't want them to spend that, right? You call it a junior SDR, call it whatever you want. It's admin work, really important admin work. So get somebody who loves detail that's really good at it to do that. That person loves the detail, loves being alone, not talking to anyone. And get the people that want to talk to people, talking to more people because a really good list because the detail people put it together. So that would be my recommendation. Got it. Okay. And so do you specialize your team like that? Do you have sort of a jack of all trades SDR or do you have like a team that does research, a team that prioritizes, a team that, you know, calls and kind of break it out like that? Yeah. So do we get to that? Maybe. But right now we have the people to to create the list, to identify the list, to, to load the list. So that's, you know, a team to do that. And then from the SDR field, most of them are really top of the funnel, that initial outreach. So what we get them to do is be really good on the telephone, really good at social selling on LinkedIn, really good at messaging. So they're templated emails that are customized or made sure to be relevant. So we train them on all of those things. At some point, we break that out a little bit more to have specialists in LinkedIn, specialists on email, specialists on telephone likely. And then from there, you know, are some people really good at top of the funnel, some really good at middle of the funnel, some really good at bottom of the funnel, because we can act as the whole entire outsourced sales team for them to to take it from top of the funnel, all the way to closed one, even account or customer success, right? So we can go the whole entire way. So as we get busier and busier, we can get more and more specialized. Got it. Okay. So you're available to take over the whole sales process, basically, for a company if they wanted to, not correct. just sales development. Okay. Yeah, correct. I mean, so we have a place, Carnegie Mellon University, CMU out here. And whenever I was doing sales training for a decade plus, it used to just annoy me to no end that these really smart founders, I mean, unbelievably smart, you know, software engineers would make this amazing product that would change everything. And they couldn't go to market with it because they tried to hire an intern to sell. And the intern surely couldn't sell. So then they would get this VP of sales out of some yuckety yuck, you know, really well-known company. But that VP of sales, yeah, they may have done pretty well in sales, but they never built the sales team whole cloth. So they didn't know how to develop this stuff. They didn't know how to train. They didn't know how to hire. So they would waste equity. They would waste time. They would waste all of this money on it just to go out of business. And it, it frustrated me to no end. So that's one of the reasons that we did this is we want those software engineers, the really smart people that know their, the, the technical side to do that piece. We can sell. Let us do that. You do the technical piece. We know how to go to market. And we know how to identify that because the challenge is so many people out there pretend that they know what they're doing, but they don't. They don't know how to get into the details and what the details mean and what to do about it. Got it. And how do you... I mean, for your own business development, how do you meet these techies, you know, and convince them to say, hey, you're really good at technical stuff. Like you just build the product, let us do the sales. Yeah. And thankfully, it's we eat our own dog food. So what we do for our clients, we do for ourselves. So we do cold calls. We do cold emails. We do LinkedIn. We do podcasts. We do introductions. We do a strategic account management 
for cross-selling, upselling. We do introductions off of those strategic account management recon calls. So we're doing everything we teach our clients to do. And because everything's a system and a process, it's very easy for us to adapt. It's already made 80%. We just have to tweak and adjust for our specific client. Got it. Okay. Well, this has been really interesting, Matt. Thank you for sharing all the knowledge and giving us a framework. I think a lot of people listening to this probably have to go back and start to figure out, you know, what is the nitty gritty, especially just what is the process that people are following? If you haven't looked at it lately, you've got to go back in and look at it because you could be missing some great opportunities. And so you don't get overwhelmed whenever you look at the process, you don't have it written down likely. And just talk through, work through what you're doing today that's your process. Don't make it too complicated. Just you're already doing it without knowing it. So just jot it down. Well, there you go. Let's start there. Grab a whiteboard <laughs> and a couple of people that are actually doing the job and diagram the whole thing. And I'm sure that you could see, you know, five different places that could use some improvement. So Correct. And from there, you can identify, okay, if I could only fix one thing, which one do I fix first that's going to have the biggest impact? And just start from there. I love it. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. If folks want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about EBS growth, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Brian with a Y, Whittington. You can also catch me on ebsgrowth.com. That's Echo Bravo Sierra Growth.com. You know, you can reach me by telephone, all the contact information's on there. So love to have a conversation with you. And, you know, bottom line, we're here to serve the entrepreneur because my belief is this, that entrepreneurship is really one of the most positively impactful things for community. So if I can help you with that, great. If we can do business, even better. Got to love those entrepreneurs, man. They're, <laughs> they're doing their best right now. They, they said that the crisis either you know, built them up or tore them down. So there's a lot of people out there that are doing really well right now. And there's a lot of people out there that are struggling. So I'm glad to hear they can lean on you for sales support, Brian, and appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for what you're doing. You're putting some great content out there, so I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.